Hi everyone. In Australia, we celebrate Mother's Day on the second Sunday of May. Today is the second Sunday of May and I want to wish all mothers a happy Mother's Day. I also want to acknowledge those who take on a motherly role to others, whether it be through teaching, mentoring or discipling. What would our world look like if not for women who take a vested interest in the lives of people around them? This will actually become the main point of my sermon today. I'll get to that soon. To celebrate Mother's Day, I'd like to dive in with you the passage from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 to 31. It's an interesting passage to look at because it's somewhat contentious, but ultimately it's packed full of gems that exalt us to live a godly life. Yes, I said us, because although this passage seems to speak specifically to women, men can also gain so much insight from this passage. The question I'm exploring today is, what does the Bible teach us about womanhood? And from Proverbs 31, we get a part of the answer. I emphasize a part of the answer because like all biblical topics, we must look at all parts of the Bible to get a well-informed view of it. We're limited by time, so I'm focusing on just what Proverbs 31 teaches us. But as I'm explaining this passage, I'm using what I know from what the Bible shows us about women and womanhood. I have a Christian worldview, and it's so important for me to have my identity grounded in what the Bible tells me. In preparation for this sermon, I've asked women from all ages to tell me their thoughts on this question. What messages have you received from Western culture about womanhood or what it means to be a woman? I received 58 responses, many of them from our church. Here are some of what these women said. But before I show them to you, I would just like to say again that today we're focusing on biblical womanhood. I definitely acknowledge that there are also skewed and culturally biased opinions against men. In other words, I think there are challenges to what men have to face too in their identity formation. But we only have time to look at biblical womanhood today. So here are some responses to what some women said about how Western culture influenced their understanding of what it means to be a woman. One person said, Our culture's perspective is that to be a woman means to fit a certain mold, like certain things, behave a certain way, look a certain way. But there is also some freedom to choose to marry or not to marry, to go to work or stay home, to have kids or not. Another said, a woman is the heart of the home. She is the one who nurtures and is sensitive to the feelings of others. Be pretty. Cover up your flaws, don't be outspoken, be nice, be maternal, be a good girl. It's great to be a woman and I've always been respected. Beauty, grace, strength, humility, perfect but quietly, good with kids and home, now also a boss. Have children, be physically beautiful slash attractive, to be able to do all of the things, family, career, homemaking, creative pursuit of dreams, flourishing social life. In recent times, I think there has been a change of narrative in some quarters of Western culture, which says that to be a woman is to aggressively pursue your dreams in such a way which includes assuming that most all men are working to prevent you 
from doing so. Mixed messages. While gender equality is flagged as a strategy in business and politics, there is still a large gap in pay and opportunity in some areas. On the other hand, motherhood and homemaking is still seen as a role where women are appreciated. I need to be in a relationship and or self-sufficient. I am beautiful and desirable if I'm a particular weight and look a particular way. Otherwise, I'm a write-off. There is no real place in Christian Western society for a single woman over the age of 30. Here's the last example. Women should be strong, good at everything, independent, attractive, and aloof to men. Womanhood is a fight, and to be a woman is to constantly try to prove yourself. As you can see, it's a whole mix, and our culture and society are changing, which means our view on women and men are also changing. Proverbs 31 gives us a refreshing and unchanging look at women that God esteems as noble. Proverbs is a wisdom book, and you feel a sense of urgency and command that wisdom is so important. It feels like if you're in a burning house and you can only take one thing with you, it has to be wisdom. Throughout the book, you'll hear Solomon constantly repeating, listen, my son, do not forget wisdom this and wisdom that. If there's one thing Solomon learned in his life, it's that wisdom will save your life. And where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I hope I've established that Proverbs is all about the importance of wisdom. And when we come to Proverbs 31, Solomon finishes off with a picture of a wife worthy of praise and mention. Of course, like most other passages in Proverbs, Solomon speaks metaphorically of this woman. It's a beautiful picture that empowers all women. She's amazing. She's an active agent in her life. She's not selfish and she's revered by those around her. Of course, this metaphor doesn't speak only to wives, but to all women. Back then, women were mostly wives. When you come of age, you're expected to marry. There are social and cultural reasons for many women getting married. I wouldn't discount romantic reasons either, but it seems like that women getting married was the norm. There were high cultural expectations and women depended on men to survive. When Solomon says in verse 1, a wife of noble character, who can find? He's speaking of women. As a wise person, Solomon would have pondered about life and observed humans a lot. He knew many women, especially since he himself had over 300 wives. In his life experiences, perhaps he saw in women something so special that encapsulates what it means to be a wise person. The core theme of this passage is that a wise woman blesses those around her, and that's exactly the nature of God. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he said to him, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
the heart of God is to bless all people. And he promised Abraham that he will be a blessing to all nations. Abraham is a blessing to all people, not because he's Abraham, but because Jesus came from the line of Abraham and Jesus is the reason why we can have eternal life with God. And that's the greatest blessing of all, to know and be with God, our Father and Creator for eternity. The desire to bless others should be in our DNA. Does it give you joy when you see a smile on someone's face? Does your heart reach out to those who are hurting and sick? To be a compassionate and loving person is sometimes mistakenly stereotyped as feminine qualities. But that's not what God tells us. Throughout the Bible, we see God depicted as a compassionate and loving creator who reaches out to seek us and bless us. We should all learn to be compassionate and loving like God. Let's look back at Proverbs 31. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Her husband is respected at the city gate. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Solomon says, look at this wise woman. Look at the strong relationships she's formed and maintained. Look at how they're blessed because of her. A wise person values relationships and blesses those they meet. Let me, let me ask you this question. Do you have someone in your life who values relationships and blesses those they meet? Better yet, we should all surround ourselves with people from all walks of life. I've met many people of all different ages just thinking about my maternal grandmother, she's modeled for me the power of persistent prayer and the discipline of physical exercise for good health. My mother modeled to me the joy of self-sacrificial love. She always puts her family first. Growing up, every dinner we share together, she'll make sure everyone gets the best part of the dish first. If it's chicken, she'll offer us the drumsticks. If it's fish, she'll give me the meat in the cheeks. If it's veggies, I'll always get the ones with the greenest leaves because that's my favorite. And the young people I've taught, either in school or led in kids and youth ministries, I've learned from them the importance of authenticity. Men and women from all generations have unique wisdom and perspective for us to learn. Solomon uses the metaphor of a wife to highlight wisdom. So obviously he talks about this woman's relationship to her husband and children. But we know that our relationships extend beyond our immediate family. What are your relationships like with your colleagues or your closest friends? What about people from church or your neighbours? The Bible teaches us to bless others as God blesses us too. That's what a wise person does. The kind of accolade or praise and honour we should care about are the ones about how we relate to others. 
You're a dear friend to me because you show up when I need you. You're a loyal and faithful husband who puts my needs first. You're a reliable and responsible colleague whom I could trust. Our current Western society promotes individualism and personal happiness. It's all about fighting for what you want and don't let others hold you back. But the culture of God's kingdom community is radically different. It's about building healthy, loving relationships that mutually blesses one another without losing our God-given identity. This is God's heart for everyone. Since today is Mother's Day, can I encourage you to start by thinking about how your mother has blessed you in your relationship together. I know that our experiences with our mothers are different, but perhaps we can start from very basic roots, that she gave life to you. You are so special and loved dearly by God, and he's chosen you to come into the world through your mother. I... um, I was a very chubby baby. My mom told me that when she was pregnant with me, it felt like carrying a heavy bowling ball. But she carried this heavy bowling ball around for nine months. Thank you, mom, for giving birth to me. You don't have to be a mother to bless others. Each and every one of us carry the image of God, which means we have an innate desire to bless those around us. Start today. Start right now. It could be thoughtful words spoken or sent as a text. It could be a meaningful gift, an act of voluntary service, or spending quality time with someone. Blessing others doesn't require big gestures. It's usually in the mundane and repetitive things people do for us that doesn't seem to mean anything until they stop doing it. Then you realize just how much of a blessing they were in your life. We can bless people in the small things. It starts from a heart that's willing to take notice of others. It's interesting to see that God loves to work in small ways in people's lives too. In these moments, we see God connecting deeply with us. Take Jesus, for example. There are lots of stories that highlight his interest in every single person. He stops to talk to a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. He asks Zacchaeus if he could go to his house for a meal. He risks his reputation to talk to a Samaritan woman at the well. We must try and keep blessing others because God is always blessing us. That's what Solomon meant when he says in verse 30, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. To fear the Lord is to know who he is and live out his calling for us. We've looked at this key theme in Proverbs 31. That is, a wise person seeks to bless others. Let's now look at other aspects of this wise woman. And finally, we'll finish off with how Solomon exhorts us to treat women. Can I encourage you to read Proverbs 31 again in your own time? You'll find that Solomon paints a vivid and empowering picture of this wise woman. She is a role model men and women can emulate. There's a lot to cover, so I've selected a few to highlight to you today. 
Firstly, this wise woman is hardworking. Not only is she hardworking, but she's portrayed as a manager with a knack for investment. Verse 13, it says, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Then verse 15 says, she gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. The next verse says, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Verse 24 says, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. And then verse 27 says, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This is not a passive female who does what she's told. Instead, we see a woman who makes these active decisions for the benefit of her and her family. She does it willingly because she's blessing them with the gifts she has. She knows textiles and manufacturing, and she sells what she makes. She knows how to distribute food and income for her family and servants. She even has a good eye for property and buys it with her own money. She plants a vineyard, which means she's a proud owner of her own winery. Is the Bible telling us that we all have to be producers in the economy, invest in property and make our own money? No, absolutely not. It's what she does that shows us the qualities that this woman possesses. She's hardworking. She cares for those around her. She thinks with her brain and makes decisions. All these things she does because she wants to bless those around her. And in turn, she'll be blessed too by the deep relationships she's cultivating. Can you see that it's a reflection of God's character? God never stops working. He cares for everyone in the world and he certainly thinks and makes wise decisions. This wise woman epitomizes God's character, which is exactly what every wise person would do to strive to become more like God. Proverbs 31 shows us a wise woman who works hard to bless others. And there's more. Not only is this wise woman hardworking, but she is also a wise planner. She doesn't react to her everyday circumstances, but rather she's proactive about wise planning for herself and others. Verse 21 says, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Verse 22 says, She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. And verse 25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. It's true that no one knows what the future will hold, but the Bible does teach us about the importance of wise planning. It's part of what it means to be good stewards. Good parents plan for how to support their children's education. And good children plan for how to look after their aging parents. Good leaders plan for how to get their organization to meet goals. Wise planning requires considering the unpredictability of life, but also knowing and taking into account God's sovereignty. These qualities of a wise person are also so important for us to learn. Bless others, be hardworking and plan wisely. Finally, let's look at how we should treat women. The end of Proverbs 31 says, 
Honour her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Solomon exhorts us to honour women. Don't overlook the work that she's done for you and others. In biblical times, city gates were places of central activity. Lots of people move in and out of city, uh, out of city gates sorry, for business transactions. Court cases were usually convened there and public announcements were generally made at the city gates. It's like community central. So Solomon tells us to honour and praise women publicly. I'm not saying that we should all post every good thing that the women in our lives have done. We will break the internet if we did. But what the Bible reminds us to do is to reflect on whether or not we've overlooked the women in our lives. To all the men and women out there listening, have you ever taken for granted what a woman has done for you? Have you overlooked a woman's potential and capabilities? Have you ever had preconceived ideas of them based on their gender? Have you ever said something to them that could be demeaning to them. We don't praise, compliment, or encourage others enough. But at the same time, there's also a time and place to honor and praise people privately. God gives us wisdom to discern when a moment or action should be captured privately or when a response or achievement should be praised publicly. I'm sure many of us don't do what we do for praise and accolades, so don't feel pressured to praise someone for the sake of praising them. We praise and honour others to build them up in the kingdom of God. To wrap up, what an inspiring passage Proverbs 31 is. It's not just a message for women, but for all people to hear and live out in our lives. We must bless people every day. Bless them with our time. Bless them with our words. Bless them with random acts of kindness, with forgiveness, with grace and mercy. We must bless because God blesses us. No matter what circumstance you're in. And I'm so sorry if you're going through a really difficult time at the moment. But you need to trust that God is for you and never against you. I know this because Jesus is the proof. He sacrificed his life on the cross so that we can have eternal life with God. Eternal life that is full of abundant riches and blessings. We are so blessed and we will continue to receive plenty of blessings in days, years and eternity to come. Ask the Spirit to help you bless others. Pray to him, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me who I can bless today and Lord, Bring people into my life to bless me because I am also weak and in need of your good grace. Amen.